his pastor was was preaching and and made this point about God being holy above loving and that yes he is loving but but he is holy and that's where all of his attributes flow from right and there was yeah a family that got up and walked out because that's not the messaging that we want so. Hello, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good afternoon, we already did the Truman Show reference a couple episodes ago, <laughs> yes. and good night. <laughs> this is the Biblically Centered Podcast, uh, my name is Johnny Jordan, this is my wife Danica, I don't think we introduced ourselves in the last episode. I don't think we did, oh, oh well. Um, we are happy to be here. We are. On another beautiful morning. Yep. Um, you want to hit us with our mission statement before we dive to. in? Boy, are we going to dive in today. Biblically Centered equips your family with knowledge and conversations for you to live and defend your Christian faith. Amen. All right. What we got going today? Today we are on Virtue R. R. Would you like to read that? Yes. Virtue R says. We reflect Christ's example by how we love one another. Virtue R says, we reflect Christ's example by how we love one another. So, yes, today we are talking about love, um, which is going to be good. We're going to try to not go over time because I feel like in my brain. Did you ever um, get into pirate jokes back in the day? <laughs> there was a stint in time, <laughs> like when I was like maybe 17, where Chuck Norris jokes were big. Okay, you right. Those? Yeah. And I just remember there was like a stint in time when, where people were just telling pirate jokes. And they all circled back to R, like the letter R. That's why I'm thinking of it. Oh, gotcha. Because, right. you know, it always would end with. Or C. Right. For the C. Yeah. Yep. So. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see how many you throw in today. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I'm going to pull out some definitions. It's been a few weeks because I feel like our other ones have been a little more self-explanatory. But today we are going to define love because. Good luck. Love it is needs love. to be defined. The definition is love is love. It's circular. You can't you can't say that about anything else. A woman is a woman. What is a woman? We don't know. <laughs> but she's a woman. Like you couldn't. You, you a woman is anyone who wants to be a woman. We can't tell you what that is. <laughs> But you, you can't say Sorry that about that anything strong. else. Justice is justice. Okay, what does that mean? Coffee is coffee. Exactly. Okay, so. Houses are houses. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so we're going to define it, okay? And then we're going to keep defining it as we keep going on. Okay. Uh, but in a way that reflects Christ, because that's what we just said. So, love in general, it means it is to be pleased with, regard affection due to some quality with excited sensations of desire or gratification. It says we love whatever gives us pleasure and delight. However, we should love God above all things. And actually, if you go back to the original 1828. Many, actually, many, my... many hours later. All right. Sorry, I went on a mission, but this is Webster's 
Collegiate Dictionary, the fifth edition. But it was still in... Uh, Published when? I believe in the 30s. Uh, 1947. 1947. So realistically, not that long ago. Not that long ago. But I bet the definitions are... All right, so from 1947, we're going to read the definition of love. Um, a feeling of strong personal attachment induced by sympathetic understanding or by ties of kinship. The benevolence attributed to God as being like a father's affection for his children. Also men's adoration of God. Strong liking, fondness, goodwill, like the love of learning, love of country. Tender and passionate affection for one of the opposite sex. The object of affection, what is an opposite sweetheart. Um, or also in tennis, when nothing or no points are scored. <laughs> 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 so yes, I mean, I just love that on that. The second definition is the benevolence attributed to God as being like a father's affection for his children. And then also we have that it's towards someone of the opposite sex. Do you want me to read you what the second definition of it now is? I would love that. Now it says attraction based on sexual desire, affection, and tenderness felt by lovers. So never once in this one did it even say sexual desire. Exactly. Right. But now, yes, but it's now, attraction yes. based on sexual desire. Right. Good job, humanity. We're progressing. We're getting better. <sighs> Anyways, so sorry. There we go. I just wanted to, um, my first definition was taken from the 1828, but um, there you go. I love that in 47, God was still in number two. So, all right, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And so we know that Jesus also affirms that later, that our number one commandment is to love the Lord our God. Mm -hmm. That is first. It's rightly oriented. Love God first, then our love for others. Um, and so all of our virtues are viewed and seen in light of the other virtues. So we've talked about this before. When we talk about love... We can't just talk about love's singularity, sing singular. We also talk about love in accordance to holiness, in accordance to justice, in accordance to mercy, in accordance to all these other virtues, which God also possesses. So his love is seen in light of all of those. And it's not just taken by itself. Right. Um, because... Love just by itself can be twisted and turned how we've seen just with definitions. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because all of it's wrapped up in God's holiness. Um, and so I know, you know, it's, it's you know, easy. Like, you, you can get away with being on, on a public forum now and saying that God is loving. Right. Um, which is true. Obviously, we know that's true. But our, like we've established, the definitions and the, and the lens that we're looking at love currently in our culture is a very skewed inwardly focused um concept of love and so whenever you're trying to put that condition of love onto our creator who is 
holy above all else, Mm -hmm. then it doesn't line up. And then there's a lot of conflict. So whenever you start talking about holiness, yeah. And I remember I was talking to my brother and, you know, this isn't calling you an out. I, you know, I get it. But at the church, he was at his pastor. Um, there was one Sunday, um, his pastor was, was preaching and, and made this point about God being holy above loving and that, yes, he is loving, but, but he is holy. And that's where all of his attributes flow from. Right. And there was, yeah, a family that got up and walked out because that's not the messaging that we want. So, um, Right. Holiness is God's essential attribute, which if you go back to one of our first, I mean, that's our first virtue is we um, adore and revere the one true God and pursue holiness. Um, So if you want to go back and listen to that episode and then come back to this one, that might be helpful. But um, just to note, holiness is God's essential, like the main attribute. It is not love. Yeah. You know, the angels are around his throne saying, holy, holy, holy. They're not saying love, love, love. Yeah. Uh, because they're not saying that about any other quality. Right. So they're not saying justice, 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 or grace, grace, grace. Even though these are all beautiful, amazing qualities that God possesses, they are seen in light of his holiness. And so his holiness does mean that his love looks different than ours. Mm-hmm. And you're right. What you said is we sometimes put our portrayal, our portrayal or our view of these qualities onto God Mm -hmm. and we are sinful. Like we don't get it right. So for us to think that we know how to define these and then to assign them to God Mm. is wrong because they're, they're not, that's not their pure state. Their pure state comes from God. Yeah. Um, Well, it's just like creating any idol. We can, we can create an idol version of God. That's not scripture, but it's based on, how we think it should be or how we think it is. That's not true. Yeah. And just like we know with any idol in scripture, it, it, uh, fails you. And then you're left with, um, you know, a broken, a broken faith because the faith was never really established on a true biblical worldview of the creator. So, right. So we're wanting to portray the real, the one true living God. We're wanting to portray, portray him to our children, not our skewed version, which, you know, only comes from being sanctified by reading his word, by praying, by all of these things to make sure that we're not allowing ourselves to construct that mm-hmm. idol or that kind of close, but not close. Yeah. Um, because if we only portray God as loving, we are missing out on other qualities that are really beneficial for people. Right. And you can, I know you said the word counterfeit, you know, it makes me think of like I worked in retail, counterfeit bills would come in and the people who create those are really trying to do their darndest to get them as close to the real thing as possible. They're not like coming in with, you know, green construction paper (laughs) and it's like, this isn't real money. No, there's times that we let it slip. It's not until we're counting money through the night that we catch that we accepted um, fake money throughout the day. I mean, there's been times it's been hundreds of dollars in, yeah. a, in a single day that slipped through the cracks. Um, but all that to say, like these, there's a, a lot of counterfeits that are close to God, right? but aren't God. And so that's just why it's important that our perspective of God is centered in Scripture 
and not in how we culturally view the world around us and how we think it should be. Right. Um, but it always comes back to scripture because scripture will always be our source of realignment. Whenever you feel like something's off track, scripture has the wisdom and the, and the answers for any issue of life. There's not a single one you can think of that scripture doesn't address or can't help us through. Right. Isn't it? You, you only know counterfeits by studying the real deal. You can't just study counterfeits because then you won't know the real. So when it comes to money, when it comes to anything, you have to know what is the actual true source so that you can compare those things to it. And here's an even deeper analogy as we keep going deeper and deeper down this rabbit hole of counterfeit bills is we even at times would have, um, on the simpler side, we would have markers. So if you did have something come through that you think you're like, this might not be real. Or anytime we just had a policy that if it was $50 or above, so a 50 or a hundred, it always had to get marked. Right. That was just, you know, just so it's not left up to our, um, thinking it's real, but just always get marked. And then we've even had times, uh, there's like this machine where you can, you can put the money into it and it shines a line on it and you can tell if it's counterfeit or not. All that to say is like having the systems in place to where, you can, we could check these bills, um, to see if they were real or not. And that's kind of what scripture does for us. And I think that's the importance of having scripture readily available and also hidden in our heart is so that whenever you do have things come your way that maybe look good and sound good, but aren't true, you have the scripture already to counterfeit check that essentially. Because it's going to be close to the real thing. It's just not going to be the real thing. Right. And it's harder to see half truths. I mean, that's why Eve was tempted because Satan alluded to the truth, but he didn't say the truth. Uh You know, he said, did he actually say this? And then she came back with something that was only half true. You know, like she let him get in her mind and be like, wait a second what did he actually, let me re go over that conversation. So that's even trickier is when it does kind of sneak in, in this like half truth, like you're like, okay, but yes, we should love all people. Okay. But what does the Bible say before that? The Bible says he gets us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I, anyways, yeah, I, I knew this was going to get, This one might get us our most views because I I feel like it's so (laughs) crazy. No. Okay. But these half truths, it's easy to let them sneak in because you do want to agree with part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. But you also have to come at it. Like is loving people the only goal? No. Like the Bible first says the number one commandment is to love God. Mm Mm-hmm. First, then we know how to love people. Right. And so I think that's where sometimes this gets a little tricky because we want to be people who, because we don't, we don't want to come off unloving. And I don't think anyone is trying to do that. So I think we're trying to find those places where we can agree to show that there is a bridge there, but 
we don't want to point people to the wrong thing. So a lot of times it does need this clarification or like we do read definitions a lot of the time at the beginning of our episodes because we want to say this is what we are actually talking about. Not just assume that we're all on the same page. So, you know, it says we reflect Christ's example by how we love one another. So that's the main thing is we want to look like God let his son come to earth to show us what it actually looked like. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't just trying to relate to God while he um, was separated from us from sin. And I mean, he still was when he was here, but he, he he came tangibly so that we could physically see him so we could have his words recorded in all these instances. And so for us to not even look at that is doing us a disservice. So we just want to always make sure like what, what did Jesus do to different people? How did he communicate? He, he was always loving. Um, I know there are a few instances like the one woman who said, um, she was a Gentile and was asking for healing for her daughter. And he said, get away from me. Don't you know I'm here for basically just the Jewish people? And she said, but don't you even, like, don't dogs even get scraps off the table? So he he did come off a little bluntly to her at first. And then she was like, but don't, but don't we also get something right now too? I mean, he was saying, obviously he was coming just for the Jewish people at that time. It is now all of us together. But, um, you know, so there are different aspects like God or Jesus was always loving, but he also did have a mission when he was here on earth. And so that mission was pointed one way and, you know, but she was able to come and kind of speak what she wanted and then her child did get healed. So it's, I I don't know. I I think we tend to try to paint these pretty pictures of Jesus and then we forget about the instances where he maybe wasn't that pretty and again not in a bad way but even to Peter he called out Peter like no you're actually going to deny me and yeah that's going to be bad for you yeah you know um he wasn't like you know what it's going to be okay you're going to deny me three times and then I'm going to come back and then it's going to be just kumbaya no, he's like, no, you're going to walk away from me and you're actually going to do all this. Mm-hmm. And Peter was like, no, of course not. And then whoops. Here comes the rooster. Right. But then in his, um, but then when he came back and did speak to Peter, there was love offered there, but yeah. there was also correction and discipline. Yeah. So that's again, just like the point from this that we've stated, like holiness is what these attributes flow from. So God is not holy because he's loving. He's loving because he's holy. Right. God is more committed to himself and to his covenant, which he has already foretold us about, than his feelings towards us. That's not to say that he is not, he doesn't have feeling towards us, but that means that God's love is an act of his will, not an emotion. And I think we tend to think of our love as being very emotional and we kind of put the act of the will on the back burner and God does the opposite. You know, like he, 
sent his son because of his love, but also first because of his covenant that he had already promised because he said that he was going to redeem us to himself. So he had to fulfill that promise, not just I love you guys. I'm going to send my son, you know, like he is very orderly. He does things very much according to himself and his nature, not according to just like, this feels really good and we're just going to do this. Like mm-hmm. Jesus had to fight through that portion of his human nature before he was getting crucified of like, not my will, but yours. If there is any other way. Yeah. I mean, he knew it was going to be a big test for him. And it, it, in that moment, I don't think it was a feeling <laughs> yeah. of like, Man, I love these people so much. I'm so excited I get to do this. I think he was like, this is going to be brutal. Is there any other way? Yeah. Was there love decided in that moment? Probably. But it was also, I have to fulfill what we've already decided. Right. And I mean, on a very less dramatic, much simpler term, like when we think about love, like obviously in the human condition, um, we love, ideally we love God. You know, we love our spouse, we love our children. And I think any uh, wise marriage counselor will let you know that, um, like me loving my spouse doesn't mean that I'm going to wake up every day, um, with the warm butterflies and, and relying on that to be how I know I love you is because I get warm, fuzzy feelings when I look at you. Most of the time I do. I would like to think it's reciprocated. I don't think it is though. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but, and even obviously with your kids, parents, like you don't always look at your kids unless they're asleep and, (laughs) and think like just what a bundle of joy this little monster is. (laughs) Um, there's times it's a challenge and it's work. Mm. Um, I think it points to a bigger truth that love is not, a feeling it's a choice and you have to make the choice to love your spouse and love your kids. Cause if you're expecting it just to be a, because I feel it now I get to show my wife, I love her. Um, that's not the case. So, um, yeah. One well, love takes time. Well, I was bringing, sorry, I was bringing all that back to okay. like Jesus on the cross Oh, and right. The, and the love that he had for humanity and knowing what his ultimate, yeah, joy was beyond that, that when he was in that situation of like, God, is there any other way? Cause he wasn't feeling it, you know, right. to project a little bit, you know, it wasn't, that wasn't his desire to sacrifice like that for, but he knew that's what was needed. And so, um, I saw a, uh, Instagram reel. <laughs> we could probably edit this part out cause I don't think it's applicable, but it was a pastor at a church saying that like, obvious. And he said, obviously we know scientifically Mary wasn't actually a virgin because she wouldn't have been able to conceive if she was, a virgin. <laughs> this is a, pre- a preacher saying this. And the girl who made the video was just like, anyways. So I was thinking about that with counterfeit. I was like, hopefully, because I think the counterfeit, you know, to me, that's an obvious counterfeit <laughs> message. But there are people who probably, yeah, anyways, let's keep on moving. <laughs> I was going to go with time. You, you were talking about love and Like if you never spend time with your spouse, then your love for them is probably going to decrease. 
because you're not finding those familiar things that you guys can talk about or share or shared experiences. And I think the same goes for God. If we don't make our relationship with him a priority, that's less and less time we're getting to know him. And so our relationship with him can wane and can wither and our love for him can be easily distracted or divided into other things. So again, a lot of these are all related. Like we can't know Christ's love unless we're reading our Bible, which goes back to our um, dedication virtue. And we can't know that un- unless we are giving reverence towards God. It, they're all interconnected. Yeah. Um, I feel like love is just the buzzword of today. So that's right. maybe why we're a little more riled up this episode. Riled up. Romans 5, 5 and 8. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that that's the big thing. We were still sinning and Christ knew I, I am going to die for them, even though they're s- still sinning, um, which is true. We don't have to clean up our act for that to have happened. However, we can't enter eternal life unless we have made that decision. Mm-hmm. So um, Christ died for us, but that doesn't mean we automatically get that. We have to make the commitment and choose to follow God. You know, I think of it since a lot of what we talk about is related you know, and tied back to um, family and raising kids and stuff is like, you know, Christ made the ultimate sacrifice for us um, while we were spitting in his face, um, you know, and, and sinning. Like he still made the ultimate sacrifice for us. And so now we as parents have this immense responsibility to raise children and to somehow um, impart and ed- and educate and raise and and instill wisdom and scripture and uh, wise counsel into our children, who oftentimes you know I mean they're children they're um, right they're still sinners yes and you know and I just think it's it's a it's a picture um, again obviously not comparing us to Christ but in a sense of like we as parents oftentimes have to lay down our lives or our feelings because we know we're doing it for the greater good of our children. Right. If that makes sense. Um, and we have to understand that they are going to mess up. They're Mm -hmm. going to not obey. They're going to have bad attitudes. And so what is our response? Are we still going to, you know what I mean? Right. We're going to show them love, but we're also as parents were called to also like discipline but we're also showed we we also need to show them forgiveness we also need to show them grace and mercy right so we love them so we're going to do what's best for them but that doesn't mean just like oh i love you so much you can keep your room dirty and gross for as long as you want to yeah because that's not yeah that would not be loving Mm -hmm. yes okay um, first John four, seven, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. I think that's also a really kind of, um, poignant verse 
whoever loves, like if we have true love, if we have love defined by God, um, it's because we've been born of God and we know God. Like that's the only way anyone is ever going to see true love. Um, We can't make up our own. We can't decide this is actually what love is. We, we can't define that. Right. And I think, and that's very, I mean, just circle it back to the love is love quote, which is, you know, is extremely popular these days. Um, is like, we unfortunately don't have the, uh, ability to define love in our own terms. Right. Because it was a concept and a reality that exists in our world, but was not created by us. And so we exist in the reality of God's love, but we don't get to create our own false reality of love. And so the only way love can even be real is if it's the love that's defined by scripture. Yeah. Um, And love only comes from God. And so you can have strong affection, you can have strong feelings, you can be very emotionally intertwined with other people, but unless if it's love the way God defines it and the way God has established it as the establisher of all things in the earth, all things that exist, then it is not real. Yeah. And so love is not love in every scenario. And so you have to get that out of your brain if it's in there. That was good. Yes, love is found when we look at its corresponding object to kind of continue from what you just said. If we love what God loves, then our love is morally good. But if we love what God hates, then our love has become a twisted sin. Um, yeah, and again, if we suggest that love is love apart from a corresponding ob- object, which should be God, then we have rendered it as an idol. And removed it from its moral anchor. And so again, do we define love or does God? And like you just discussed and and said, God created all things. He is absolute truth. And so God gets to define love. We don't Mm -hmm. get to even come close to trying. Right. Yeah. So. It's kind of like if you like invented like a, or you created a car. Right. You know? And you knew all the inner workings of the engine and the pistons and the other car parts that I don't know the name of. But you created it, it's immaculate car, and then you give it to someone who doesn't know how it works. And then, you know, fills it with uh, water and sugar and uh, takes out some parts. And, uh, and then is coming back to you wondering why the car doesn't work because um when in reality the car does work the car did work you just started filling it and and changing it and <laughs> the ways i mean it's all in the owner's manual which every car manufacturer has um on how this thing is supposed to work and operate and so um but if you just kind of start doing your own thing with it don't get mad at the at the creator of the car right that you didn't handle the it the way that they intended um because if had you had it would have worked yeah, I think you could say that about like a hammer or a drill or something. Also, if you were given it and you defined how you thought it should be used, and it's I've like I've used a drill eh. as a hammer before <laughs> in a tight situation. <laughs> you know, but then someone would look at you like you're a crazy person. Why are you using that drill as a hammer? That's supposed to be a drill, you know. And you're like, oh, I just was going f- with it. Yeah. 
you know, it's like work for now. Right. But there are, Until there are puncher a hole in the <laughs> drill. So yeah, that would be the exact same thing. God has given us love and then we've taken it and we've been like, eh, I think maybe we'll I want to do it this way. And then it's not working. And then we're like, why is this not working? You gave us love. And it's like, well, you're not doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> you and I are doing it right. Four kids. <laughs> yeah so the last verse for today is philippians 2 1 through 2 and it says so if there is any encouragement in christ any comfort from love any participation in the spirit any affection and sympathy complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love being in full accord and of one mind how much of the problems in the world that exist do you think are a byproduct of us not understanding love and trying to accomplish love in our own terms? Uh, right, probably a lot. I mean, we use... Because if you boil down love to like what the newer definition of love is, just a sexual attraction, so to speak, well, that can create a whole mess of problems. Right. Doing things in the name of love, you know? Right, because you haven't defined, yeah. It's just whatever goes for whatever your sexual attractiveness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Because if we don't go to God for love, then we probably aren't going to God for our morals. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So morally, you're just wide open. Yeah. Yeah. But like this verse says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, like for us, it's we complete the joy by having the same mind, mm-hmm. having the same love, and being in full accord, which is accomplished through the local church. Yes. We, you know, we've hit on the local church a lot, but for your family, yeah, it's important. Um, well, and going back to being in God's word, you know, how, how are we of the same mind? How are we having the same love? How are we being in full accordance and of one mind? We can't do that if we're all just doing our own thing. You know, it takes believers together, iron sharpening iron to make sure that we are tr- truly seeing God as he is and not just a construction of our own mind. Yes, God can do things through us individually, but collectively as a body is where God can really use us. And so being, you know, in the body of Christ with one mind, um, you know, God can really use, Yeah. you know, it's kind of crazy thinking like, you know, you've heard people say, uh, thinking of the apostles, like these 12 people mm-hmm. that changed the world, you know, um, and that was 12 people who were devoted to Christ. Like we in our local church should be able to change our city. Right. If we're of, you know, one mind and one accord. And so this verse is just really speaking to just the, um, like that's the ideal state of a congregation, um, is to be in harmony with these things that scripture teaches so that we can then be used in accordance to how God wants to use us as a body. Yeah. But you can't do that if you're, watching church online every week correct well i think we covered a lot i think we could have rabbit trailed a lot more so i'm proud of us (laughs) there's a few more things i wanted to say but (laughs) 
I resist in the name of love. <laughs> so love is a good thing and we want to be love. But going back to the beginning, we want it to be rightly oriented. And ultimately, it's God who gets to define that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, which is tricky with kids and growing up today um, to continue to show them over and over who is God like? How do we become more Christ like? And that also goes back to why we made these virtues in the first place. Like, we are Christ followers. What does that look like? That looks like these 26 virtues. Yeah. To just help us and our children know how to show that to to others and to continually be sanctified. Yeah. And so, yes. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed today. Yes, I did. I did. Yes. So, um, thank you for listening. You can also listen. We have a kids podcast. Biblically centered kids. Yes. Available on the same place that you're listening to this. Yes, the kids one is daily. daily. So every single day we go over the virtue of the week on Monday. Tuesdays is an Old Testament story. Thursdays is a New Testament story. And then throughout there we have games and activities, draw alongs, quizzes, um, just fun things for your kids to know these virtues, to know what it looks like to be Christ-like, and then to help them try to practice that throughout the week. Yeah, and we have a lot of fun doing it. Yes, just like this podcast. Yes, except we sound a little more bubbly turned up on that one, maybe. Do you sound the same, you think? Well, I think I project more. Right. Because it's more like this podcast is more of a conversation. That podcast is scripted. Right. Um, so, but it has a lot of fun music and sound effects and things like that. Yes. Do that make it enjoyable for the little kiddos? Yes. But uh, anyways, <laughs> thanks guys for listening. Thank you. Bye. Mm-mm. Bye.